<laughs> we'll save that. We'll save that for a later date. All right. Yeah. Never mind. I just yeah. made all that up. <laughs> let's just start but the episode. Then. Let's let's do it. Why not? Why not? We're inside. Sadly, no birds today. Do you think I could get you, or not? Not I. But do you think you you could imagine yourself getting into like Formula One or something like that? Probably not. No. Yeah. No. Not my cup of tea. Maybe it's too intense for you. I Maybe. Understand. It is. I prefer more. You know, tennis. It's less intense. You know. Let's there we go. There we go. Ooh. Let's turn the let's turn the monitors up so we can actually hear what we're saying, Jared. How about that? That's right. Turn mic on the headphones up. Two twenty one. Dos dos uno. Zwei zwei eins. De de un. Right? Isn't that French? Can tell you. French is terrible. If you couldn't tell. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. We are here recording episode. 221, if you couldn't tell from the introduction, and my uh, terrible attempt to say 221 in various different languages. Uh, But yeah, today we will be talking about something that I think will be a very interesting and important topic um, now and in the future. Um, I'm not looking at anything in specific, Jared. I'm just looking at you. No, I was just uh, looking for my coffee. Oh, I'm gotcha. Sorry. I didn't gotcha. Mean to distract you. Don't want to lose your coffee. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes I talk too much on this podcast, people, and Jared gets bored to sleep. So it's good to have that mm-hmm. coffee by his side. But yeah, so we will be talking about soft diplomacy, which is kind of, as it sounds, I feel like it's a little bit intuitive. It is uh, a diplomatic uh, mission or cause that is person to person. It's not like a military thing. It's not. Uh, you know, it's like that would be more hard diplomacy, right? You know, going in invading a country. It's pretty, pretty intense, pretty hard. So uh, soft diplomacy is more, you know, giving aid and helping out and things like that. So we will be discussing that more in detail. I have some own personal uh, experience with soft diplomacy with my work abroad. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. And uh, I'm sure Jared has a lot of good questions and some good answers today as well. So without further ado, my good buddy, Jared, uh, happy to have you back here, Jared, and uh, looking forward to talking about soft diplomacy with you. Thank you. Thank you. We're here in the rain location. Um, I wish we could have gotten... How did we not think to get those guitars in the background? You, those, too, too late. That guitar stand really makes it look like you know what you're doing. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I feel like I know <laughs> what I'm doing, but not always. But oh, check man. out our last episode on imposter syndrome if That's you true. feel like you don't know what you're doing. Oh, wow. Very good. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, please. <laughs> so stupid. Please, everyone. Spread a little love. Follow us on Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast, Twitter, Untranslatable One, the number one. Uh, please, some five star reviews would be nice on iTunes and or Stitcher, whichever you prefer. Um, and then um, that's it, really. You know, you can also check us out on YouTube. As I mentioned, we are on the rain location, but this is a different angle, and this is really a great angle. I'm not gonna lie. You got the quilt. Do, who made that quilt? Someone. Uh, so you know who made it, right? Uh, it was either my my uh, aunt, so Charlotte's my aunt Betty in Alaska, or my mom got it from a bazaar where uh, she works at. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of really cool arts and crafts stuff, I guess, in Anchorage, Alaska, which is where that quilt's from. Speaking of which, this is actually the first time that the untranslatable owl is uh, in the see, shot exposed. Yep, there oh, it wow, is. Wow, that's people. weird. I have to like. Oh wait, there it is. Yeah, it's a mirror image, right? There it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. That was so much fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Dude, you know, first of all, is um, soft diplomacy when you're when you mentioned how it's more like aid. Is Mm -hmm. it like so? What if what if you're? Is it like a what if you're like? 
uh, uh, like um, like you're you're a medical group and you're going in providing like medical aid to like uh, war torn countries or something mm-hmm. like that. Is that that, is that yeah, that's soft, soft diplomacy? I would say that is that falls still not under a hard the umbrella. diplomatic act if it's like oh we're sending some of our doctors from this to go. I think I think hard diplomacy from from my understanding of it, it's more like a act of war. Yeah, or a, mm. or, or a government or a country's way to disrupt something. Um, and usually not on a people by people basis, like like teaching classes or hmm. providing medical help or or just educating people in in general. You know, people go uh, on all sorts of different grants, and there's many Peace Corps projects, for example. Uh, Peace Corps is a great example of soft diplomacy, where people will go to a lot of developing countries and help with you know either work as a medic or um, you know I've heard also of different ones where you go and help like uh, farming and agriculture um, mm. all sorts of different stuff uh, but it's more like when I think of soft diplomacy I really think of uh, and maybe now in the corona times this isn't the right image I have in my head but I think of people talking and shaking hands sure like soft diplomacy is really a sitting down having a conversation learning from one one another and I also think uh, sharing so is, culture as well so is it like those pictures where you see the president shaking hands for 10 minutes like from two different countries, and they're just right. like for ten right. minutes, they're just shaking hands. Exactly. <laughs> or, or uh, my favorite one is with Trump and uh, Macron from uh, France, where they're walking down the street. Have you seen that one? Shit, no, I probably did when it happened. Yeah, he because I think Trump so wouldn't. Yeah, days. Trump wouldn't let go of his hand. And I don't think Macron is that a sign would. of weakness to letting go first. I don't know, man. It does feel weird though if someone is still squeezing your hand and you let go. Yeah, and Germans kind of do that sometimes. Dude, they can do a long handshake. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. I'm like a two right. two shakes and I'm out kind of thing. I mean, now I'm I'm fine with the namaste bow. Yeah, that's what we've been honest. doing. That's what we we're, yeah. we're, we we fully forewent, foregone for we yeah. forewent the elbow. elbow yeah, no touch. elbows, no no touching really. Now let me ask you this: where where would as far as soft versus hard diplomacy goes? Where do you think? The United States banning TikTok would fall on that. Did you hear about that? Of course. I've, yeah, I don't live under a rock. Of course Did you I heard hear about it. that. Yeah, that's right. Um, You're on Twitter now. Right. Uh, that's true, dude. I have been seeing a whole lot of different stuff now that I've been uh, scrolling through the Twitter sphere. The world seems a lot scarier out there. It does. Now, doesn't it? it definitely <laughs> does, Jared, I have to say. Uh, maybe that explains also why you've been posting more uh, terrible memes on your Instagram, because mm. you need just more relief yeah. after the carnage of so Twitter. Of course. Twitter can be brutal, man. <laughs> Uh, for sure. So what do you think about, as someone that has um, obviously experienced the great firewall of China, I've been right. thinking, like, is that is that, like, what do you, how do you feel about, about for, the- First of all, the whole thing about banning TikTok, I don't, I don't know how it will work. Like, if, hmm. if, if they ban it, what does that mean? Does that mean it's not accessible to users in the U.S.? Because there are ways around that. You know, there are ways people get around the laws in China sure. online, you know. And how, can a government ban a website so you just can't go to it? I mean, yes. Like, I know they do that in China, yeah. obviously. They do it in a lot of different countries, I think. Hmm. Any any country with internet censorship is doing that, in theory, right? Right, right, right. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. But I sadly, I see our uh, diplomatic relations with China slowly deteriorating. Actually, not slowly, very quickly <laughs> deteriorating before our very own eyes, which, which really breaks my heart. Because, because, of, because of the virus, you think? Sorry, I'm going to turn it down a yeah, little bit. Yeah, go for it. Uh, not because of the virus, but just because, because I get of nervous just seeing how our government uh, calls the virus, and, like they call it all those terrible right. terms and stuff. Right, right. For no reason. <laughs> it's it's only to spread animosity. Sure. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, I guess that, there is a yeah. perfect reason. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I just think it's um, it's incredulous the way, honestly, though, it's it's 
it's just too bad because I think uh, the U.S. and China both have a lot of potential, and I think we have a lot more to gain to work together mm-hmm. than we do to make the rift worse. Um, but you know what? There's a lot of stuff that goes on that I'm sure we have no idea about. You know? Sure. Like the consulate closing in Houston. Here, the U.S. ordered China to close the consulate within like 48 or 72 hours. Then in China, they ordered the U.S. to close their consulate in Chengdu. I had a friend who was a fellow that lived in Chengdu. So her consulate would have been closed. She probably would have had to fly to Shanghai or Beijing then if she ever needed any consulate help. So... It's it's bad. It's yeah. really bad. Um, and that's are, why are those like the opposite of slo- soft diplomacy? Like those are kind of like soft acts. Of- it's not. Yeah, I I would say those aren't. I would say a, obviously it's not diplomacy, right. and it's not soft either. That's more like an ultimatum. I guess. I mean, so. really, it's not soft at all. I I view soft diplomacy more as, um, and I, and I don't mean to sound like this hippie or this you know mm. happy la la land kind of guy, but I really view soft diplomacy as. Um, countries working together and helping each other out with their problems. Um, I, mm. I, I don't view it as I want to, um, you know, bring my power and influence to your country. I want to dominate your country. It's more of we can help you with this. We see you need help. Um, and and our, I guess what we get in return is we get to, you know, experience your culture and your country mm-hmm. and learn about it. And ideally, you know, as a Fulbrighter, I guess, and as an you know, English language fellow, I'm obviously very, very biased in this thinking, I guess, sure. because I've lived it. But I do think it's really worthwhile. I think that I have come back to the United States as a much better person because of my experiences abroad. It has given me a whole different, and you can attest to this as someone who's lived abroad, it gives you a whole different appreciation on the life you have. Yeah, but I had no sort of sense of diplomacy, you know, at that po- point. Well, right. But see, you weren't, like, for example, with the Fulbright and with the Fellowship, I was, we've, we've talked about it on the podcast before, you know, I was kind of a, a representative of, of the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, for some people, I was the first American they ever met. Did anyone ever say that to you before you went there? Like, you're going to be representing of the course. United States of America. Of course they tell you that, but it, but it is kind of true. <laughs> you know, um, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, especially if you, uh, I think more on a professional capacity, but also on a personal one, you don't obviously want to uh, bring a bad reputation. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a big that's a big responsibility. Yeah. Um, there's one other thing that I want to, you seem to, do you, have you, do you read, you seem like you're pretty well-informed, Chad, you know? Sometimes. You Depends definitely seem like you're better informed than me, I'll put it that way. I, I don't know about I'm that. I'm Twitter informed, you know, okay. like I can tell you of the latest. You're talking to a meme news guy, man. Come on now. <laughs> True. Come on. But I can, I can give you the greatest, latest and greatest jokes about Herman Cain's death. Mm-hmm. But um, I like, I don't follow a lot of like hard-hitting news. But I wanted to ask you if you've heard about this whole closing of the post office thing and this attempt to close oh, the God, post yeah, office. Oh, God, yeah, it's terrible. Thing. It's terrible. I think a lot of this seems like it's cronyism. What's? Do you know what that? I don't know what that is. You don't know what cronyism? I is? know the term. Like I've okay. heard the term before. Right. But I don't so, know. So really let me explain it, I, it to our listeners because I bet you there are a lot of. people. It's kind of a weird word. So cronyism basically means like that people and their cronies. You know. People. Yeah. So people. So so if I'm in a position of power and say say Jared and I are are both doing uh un uh. What's the right term here, Jared? We're doing undesirable or, uh, you know, not... Nefarious? Yeah, nefarious. That's a great word. Nefarious things. <laughs> uh, you know, just bad things, right? Um, and, and something happens to Jared or something happens to me, and I help him out or he helps me out, but it's not necessarily very legal or very maybe righteous or moral. Mm. Um, and and so, yeah, so cronyism basically means that, yeah, you help out your cronies. You help out the... the, the your 
So it's kind of like American politics, essentially. It's yeah, like it's, PAC, it's corruption. Sort of I mean, people. it's corruption is what, yeah. what it really boils down to, I if, would say. Yeah, I, I get yeah. you, I get mm-hmm. you. Where it's like, if you... Yeah, 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 okay. But it exists everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. I guess so. It's, it's that human sounds nature, like what American politics is, really. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, at least, right. I mean, probably other politics, too, but as far as I... Well, you know, I mean, if you I just know. look what has happened with some of the people who um, have gone to jail and have now since been released. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah. One of those guys, uh, the one of the he he went to a restaurant, and he he ruined. He doesn't bo- surprise broke his me. Bail. Yeah, doesn't surprise <laughs> me. Doesn't surprise me one bit. But Jared, it's I like, think bro, you're uh, out of prison. I think we should spread a little love because I have uh, I have a couple really good shoutouts today. Uh, my first one goes out to a uh, New Orleans musician. Who this is a kind of a this sounds very American, Jared. Mm, New Orleans Orleans. musician offers kids trumpets in exchange (laughs) for their guns. That's not a fair trade. I don't know. That's a good trade. I feel like the trumpet guy's losing out. (laughs) Trumpets aren't cheap. They really aren't. Are they like? uh, Yeah, I guess so. I think of though in in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. I never think of. uh, It's so funny. I never think of like a. there's, there's such like a, I didn't even think of like a quality trumpet just because there's such a huge street music scene right and there's such a huge like children playing very good street music right it, but like it's like that trumpet looks like it's just like a like a coil from a I don't know like a washing machine that right. they turn right. into an instrument exactly <laughs> yeah but this is pretty crazy so New Orleans hmm. trumpeter Shamar Allen wanted to find a way to get guns out of children's hands, kids' hands. Uh, so he, he did what he does best, which is music. So he created this. Um, it's called Trumpet Is My Weapon, which mm. I think is kind of a cool name for an organization. Um, and I think this is really amazing. And so far he has collected four guns that he's turned over to police. Now, some of you who may be listening may be thinking, oh, it's only four guns. Who knows what those four guns could have prevented? Yeah. You and know? that's just the beginning. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, and, and he says uh, he also has a nine-year-old son. Uh, so, so you know, really put it yeah, into perspective he's getting nervous. for him. Right. And, and look, I mean, a, guns are a big problem in the United States. Mm-hmm. And I think any way that um, – I'm not saying that we should outlaw guns or ban guns because I do think they, they have a place. I mean, my family hunts. Um, you know, I think there there's a right and a wrong time for guns. And a lot of times guns – are too accessible for many people, especially children. Yeah, um, and, and that's yeah. a that's a large. It's it, that is actually a large percentage of gun violence. Not even like children com- committing quote unquote gun violence, but like children getting a hold of like their parents' guns and stuff too. Right. Like I've, there's been a bunch of stories of like someone was just in the some kid just in the backseat of their parents' car got their gun and you know now there's an incident happening. Right. That's good though. I, I right. like that stuff. Yeah. And let I me... like New Orleans and it is a dangerous place and it kind of bums me out because you know I have family that lives close to there. Right. So so this is what's crazy about the story though, Jared. So. A lot of, uh, uh, so people don't understand that, uh, he said, uh, so Shamar Allen said, people don't understand uh, that kids are trying and wanting to do other things, um, but there's nothing for them to do, meaning like, you know, I'm assuming like gang violence, Mm -hmm. getting involved with, you know, guns and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, For his very first exchange, Allen collected a fully loaded gun from a young girl. He said it opened his mind. Uh, For his very first, uh, yeah, okay. I would never suspect she would have had a gun. And she was most excited about getting a trumpet. Um, 
Hopefully, hopefully she didn't go steal daddy's gun to get a trumpet. <laughs> oh, um, actually, I'd kind of be okay with that, too. That's Actually, you're right. You're right. <laughs> However um, you get the guns. Right, right. Um, yeah, he also gave her contact information of local mu- musicians who volunteered to give kids free music lessons, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I love really that. amazing, yeah. I love that. Um, so, yeah, I think this is just super awesome. And he has raised, just, just in case you're curious, Jared, he has raised $26,000 um, for music supplies, and people have donated instruments as well. So I wonder, I wish... Dude, I have a, my trumpet's still in Louisiana. I wish, I wish there should was... Should I a, donate my trumpet? You should. Dude, if you're not going to play it, honestly... I feel like I should. You should. We should find out how to, how, how to donate that. Um, I mean, I, like, I could probably take it somewhere, because I'll right. be there at some point. right. Yeah, interesting. I wish they had more info though, because I would be happy to even just give like a twenty dollar, twenty five dollar donation. I'm sure you could do that if you look, yeah. at, find the website I, I, or something. I want to because I think this is great. All right, I have one more shout out though, <clears throat> and because I think this one also is very important um, for a lot of our American listeners out there right now. Um, so I don't know if you know about this, Jared, but some people, you know, we've been talking about defunding the police for quite some time now, mm-hmm. right? And I think a lot of people, when they hear that, they assume we're saying get rid of police officers. Uh, that's not what we're saying. We're saying allocate money and resources to other things that might be more helpful to different communities, which and I reduce think is their clear. responsibilities because they have a lot right. of right all the things we traffic stops. And, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Better so, focus their their needs. Exactly. Exactly. And so uh, a town in Kentucky has actually hired a social worker instead of hiring more police officers. Mm. And what they have found has been really interesting, Jared. They found that uh, arrests have gone down. Uh, repeat arrests and offenses, it seems like people aren't calling in as much again, um, which I think goes to show you that having someone who has a different mindset and educational background and and knowledge um, and skill set really could do a lot of good for a lot of different communities. And even just like the the what it means when a police officer shows up versus someone just in normal clothes or in like a polo and some khakis right it's just like there's already a level of of tension mm-hmm. that's and and that's built off the bat for with a lot of these people right. when yeah. you're when you're being you know when you're being approached uh by an officer of some well, sort well i mean think about it it's intimidating you usually have a, a usually not always but you generally have a man sometimes mm-hmm. a bigger dude with a gun on him um, you know, uh, yeah, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and then it's like, taser. And it's like it, it, now it can go to a level. Like now, the only thing is, it's we're introducing that uh, the potential for a level that it never even has to get close to. Right. And, yeah. Right. And there's so many situations that it, you know, gets to that you know, whatever that level is, and it's like, how did this start? You know, <laughs> it was like right. this started, but with the smallest thing, and now it, it somehow it escalated all the way to having right. to kill someone. And or I, like, or I really, someone. I really don't understand the the mentality of why we need military grade equipment for police officers, and for the people out there who say, well. You know, criminals, you know, yes, I get that criminals and people will still be getting illegal, probably still military grade stuff. But I think if you limit the access of it and you and you regulate it better, I mean, if you look at other Mm. countries, they don't seem to have the problems we do. And I wonder, I honestly wonder how often are police officers getting in shootouts that weren't started by them? (laughs) <laughs> right like right. i honestly wonder how often that i, I, I and i'd just be interested to see that stat i don't know the answer right and, but and it's I, like, I wonder if you could even get reliable information on that i, I bet you couldn't i bet right. i mean how Probably many not. how many 
shooting incidents is there's some sort of lie where it's like they right. shot first or I felt threatened. Right. I thought, yeah, well, yeah I mean, you're, you're always going to try to protect your back. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But anyways, I think this is great. Yeah. Um, so in, yeah, in Kentucky, let's, let me, so yeah, I've so, seen that also mm-hmm. a lot of schools have been uh, getting rid of their yep. police, uh, yep. like resource we had, yeah, we had, call them. We had one or two in my high school. They were actually nice guys. They were both kind of old fat dudes. Mm. Um, kind of your stereotypical not really like, chief in- Wiggum from the Simpsons kind of, <laughs> not really thing. an intimidating character right right and they were nice guys but but i i mean yeah i think social workers first of all uh there are i if i remember correctly social work a degree in social work is a pretty still a pretty prevalent like a lot of we have a lot of people getting degrees in social work yeah um and so i think this would be a a good use and i think we'll see hopefully other states follow suit and we'll see what happens yeah and Um, social workers are already extremely underappreciated especially for the amount of education right. that goes into yeah it. getting a master's in social work is yeah. no breeze only to be uh in a pretty underappreciated position right but yeah so and and in case people are curious about what a social worker might be able to do um uh, social workers tend to handle more domestic violence mental health and substance abuse type of things mm-hmm. uh where police can deal with the traffic violations you know i don't even stuff. think you need police for traffic violations Just cameras like, cameras everywhere like cameras or even like like we have um like the uh, parking parking mm. meter people okay. but like for traffic right yeah I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, may, but maybe would that I'm, be a branch of the police. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, I, don't know. I mean, shout police out. is just a word. You can call it something else. That's also true. And they and but they, these people also don't need to have guns, is what I'm saying. Right. And so yeah, or right. just yeah, cameras too. Exactly. But anyway, shout out to Shamar Allen for the trumpets uh, for weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trumpet is a weapon initiative, and also shout out to um, that police station in Alexandria, Kentucky. Um, for uh, employing a social worker instead of a police officer. I think that's an interesting yeah, strategy. Dude. I agree. Well, should we get into our untranslatables, my man? You betcha. Let's Let me it. scoot this. So I see, see now we can cheat, Jared, because I can yeah. fully see your screen. So, so to our viewers on YouTube, sorry if we're turning away from each other. It's not that. <laughs> it's not that uh, we we want to, but yeah. So, anyways, untranslatables are idioms, phrases, axioms. Um, adverbs, proverbs, uh, all sorts of different sayings that don't translate one-to-one easily in English. And I am going to get us started today, Jared, with uh, I have two uh, more Brazilian Portuguese. I've been on, on a Brazilian Portuguese kick because it's a beautiful language. And my first one is uh, manteiga um, derritida. Hmm. And it means uh, melted butter. And I'm sure I mispronounced that, but melted butter. Melted butter. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. Is this like, um, is it just like perfect? Is it like, uh, or like, oh, everything, it's like kind of peanut butter and jelly. It's like, ooh, this is just. No, no, we use this to describe a person. It's a type of person. butter. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Someone is like, oh, that's like their personality, a personality trait. Yeah, I would say so. Is it like, um, like they're easily, uh, manipulate, like people, they're easy to manipulate? Um, uh, maybe, not necessarily. Mm, Melted butter. Is it easy or difficult to melt butter? It's easy to melt butter. Okay. So they're easy to manipulate. <laughs> they're not easy to manipulate. They're they easy. do something else easily. They're easy to be taught. What do you do when you're sad? They cry easily. Oh. So it means to be very sensitive or cry easily. Or there's a second meaning. If you hmm. are melted butter, it also means you can have a soft or gentle heart. Okay. Okay. But I think those I hear have it. two yeah, slightly different meanings, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The devil's yeah, sure. in the details, but yeah. But yeah, I get that. Okay. 
my uh, first on Tarantula. I have another. I'm going to do another Cantonese one, but not not for my Ooh, first. One. I good. have another. I'm um, I have another Indonesian one for you, and not another. I, this is the first one I've done. I have an Indonesian one for you, and it's uh, Jam Karet, and it's mean, and it means uh, rubber clock. Rubber clock. Jam Karet. Rubber clock. Is it when you have a lot of free time? Time doesn't matter. Um. Time doesn't matter, but for a different reason. Rubber clock. So time doesn't matter in almost a sort of offensive way, I would say. Like you're taking too long. What too happens slow. when you what happens when you take too long or you're too slow? People get upset. What ha- no, what happens to you if you're taking too long and you're too slow and you and you're supposed to You lose focus? No, you're know. you're late. It's to always be late. Oh, interesting. Rubber clock is oh. someone who's always late. That's funny. Okay, I like mm-hmm. that one. Rubber clock. Speaking of the untranslated world, yeah, little theme song here. Or Do something. you ever occasionally want to like roundhouse kick that off the wall? I'm just used to it now. <laughs> I'm just used to it. Yeah, no, me too. It's fun. I right. like it. Uh, all right, I got uh, this one is a good one, and this one I think uh, is an important one uh, to keep in mind with soft diplomacy. Um, so this one is also Brazilian Portuguese. Hmm. So I apologize if I mispronounce it. Here we go. Falou poco, mas falou bosta, which means spoke little but spoke shit. Spoke little but spoke shit. Spoke little. Hmm. Where it's like they like they don't say much, but they have nothing positive. No, you're close. Having you're close. I mean, they like, don't say much. You're right about that. And they're always negative. It's like a no. Nope. They don't say much, but even what they do say is enough to. It's enough. To, like it's. It, they don't say not much, but it's cutting. It's like a, it's like they're the man of few words, but those words are mighty kind of thing. I wouldn't say they're mighty words. Those, oh, man of few words, but those words are stupid. <laughs> yeah. Ba- yeah. So basically, it's uh, when a few comments are enough to show someone's ignorance or stupidity. Ah. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. So you only there's a say, lot of that yeah. happening on social media. You're, you're no showing kidding. yourself. You're you're showing your ass, as they say on right. social media. Right. Yeah, or you're exposing yourself. All right, I have one. Uh, let's do one Cantonese one. Yao, 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 chin. Do you have it with the, the tones written? Can you send yeah, that here, to actually, me? I can just hear. I can even do this where I can cut off the... Uh, here it is. I cut off... It's this one at the very bottom. Oh, cool. Okay. So I cut off All right. the, what it means. Okay, so that's a... I think that's a rising tone. So, do you want to zoom in for you or something? Yes, please, a little bit. Oh, oh no, no, no. Don't be showing me. Don't be showing me. I don't uh, have an easy touch. There you go. There okay. you go. That's perfect. So, um, Yao Chin Sai Dak Guai Toi Mo. What do you think that means? That. I have no idea. No <laughs> idea. That means uh, if you have money, you can make a ghost push a millstone. Okay, well that's easy. But I really just so want to show you the picture. So basically, if you basically if you have a lot of money, you can do whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, which is also very true. Look at that. Oh, that's funny. That's a that's a good. It's picture. literally a ghost making. What is it milling a human? <laughs> is that uh, what's maybe? happening in yeah, that maybe? picture? Maybe I'm not sure. <laughs> I wonder if that's just from the top panel, like they drew it in like a. Uh, oh, this is the same thing. Yeah, I wonder. Maybe. Interesting. Interesting. Art is in the eye of the beholder, People Jared. Never, never see what we're talking about, but very right. interesting. That is a cool website, though. Um, yeah, give, I love them. Give me one more Cantonese one, Jared. I just closed it, but I can <sighs> open it. I, it's easy. I have okay, the link right here. The beauty of hyperlinks. I'm always prepared. See, that was quick. Um, here, read this one at the bottom. Let me zoom in first. Right there. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
Yep, yep. Uh, I see it. Guai Wakfu. Guai Wakfu. I love how you're looking at me like I'm going to tell you whether it's... Guai <laughs> Wakfu, I think. A ghost draws a talisman, illegible scribble... Oh. So it's an illegible... <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, a, so it's like it. my handwriting, basically. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A ghost draws a talisman. What is a talisman, do you know? Isn't it uh, like a... Um, I'm not really sure. I've heard it before in like old books. What is a talisman? An object, typically an inscribed ring or stone that is oh. thought of magic. Po- oh, oh, it's like yeah. one of these big old yep. amulets. Yeah, it's like an amulet. Interesting. The cool. magical amulet. That's right. We should get some untranslatable amulets. That I don't even. Pretty cool. <laughs> start I don't even know where them. to begin, but yeah, we can sell them on QVC. Yep. Etsy. <laughs> this Pinterest. Is a beautiful amulet. That's right. Filled with lots of secrets. Not translatable. What, what kind of talismans would we have in there, Jared? Uh, like a something. I like a green ruby okay. of some sort. Or what do you call it? A we, sapphire. Well, we is need. That green? We need something that you know promotes soft diplomacy in a way because I feel mm. like uh, that is kind of a, a side goal of our podcast. Well, that's why I like goals. green. I think green's a very diplomatic color. I feel like red. What about greens and blues? Red's too aggressive. Blue is almost a little too. Blue is okay because blue is kind of a a passive color. What about green, blue, red, and then another? Color? Like a flag? Are we talking about a flag here? Maybe. Ooh, an mm. untranslatable flag would be kind of cool. <laughs> Where are you gonna lie. have one? Oh, I mean, we have a logo. Yeah. Oh, that's not. That's gonna be different. A logo is not a totally flag. Different. It's a logo. <laughs> I mean, but. Well, so. Uh, do, oh, oh my gosh. Do you picture us uh, attempting soft diplomacy here on the untranslatable podcast in For our sure. own little way? For sure. Absolutely. Hmm. I think. I think we try. Like you know, j- all jokes aside. Audience. Yeah. Number one, we have an international audience. Number two. I think we try to promote, you know, uh, language, language learning, yeah. culture, um, travel, I think tolerance as well, and trying to be understanding of other yeah. people. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we do make jokes and tease, but I think at the end of the day, we tend to. You can uh, see our hearts. Our hearts are melted butter, really. That's true. Well, that chances. is true. Yeah. Well, some, <laughs> sometimes I haven't cried in a while. Actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. I think hmm. the last. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. Is, is that surprising Speaking for you because you're a light crier? Or is it easy I'm not, for you I'm to cry? I'm not necessarily a light crier, but um, I I'm not one of those people that can cannot cry for sure. Right, right. Yeah. I haven't cried in a while outside of maybe some movie or something. Mm, but I don't okay. I don't really count a movie cry. Sometimes those feel a little cheap, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. You they know? Pull, they're pulling on your heartstrings. They get you where it hurts. <laughs> it's almost kind of like when you watch like a slapstick movie, you and know, you're and laughing it's like at everything. Yeah, it's like yeah, but it's so ridiculous that how can you not laugh? It's like, well, right. yeah, this is they're, they're kind of forcing you to cry. Sure. When sure. you became a uh, or when you were thought you or when you were planning to become a teacher in college or whatever, mm-hmm. did you sort of have this idea of soft diplomacy in your head as an aspect of why you wanted to do it? No. For me, it was always just I had an intrinsic uh, motivation to um, just connect with people from different cultures and countries and share my experience and learn from their experiences. Mm. Uh, but I think... I mean, you, you did... Ha- you were... That was your personality in high school too we talked about like you were always the first one to befriend all the foreign exchange students exactly yeah yeah. so it's i guess it's just naturally in you then i guess so yeah i've always been just curious i think a lot of it is curiosity but Mm. i think soft diplomacy is a way to kind of uh curb your curiosity you know you can make great connections with people um learn a lot about different cultures different places um is is soft diplomacy now a class or is it something that came up in in college or grad school so soft. So the first time I honestly had ever heard the term was probably um, when I was actually in Prague for the orientation for my Fulbright, mm. and we had the um, 
attache of the embassy, which is like a pretty high up position at the embassy, come and talk That's to a us. Cool name, attache. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, really nice guy. <laughs> and actually, he was in China um, before. You know, a lot of these foreign service officers they go from one place to another. And I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to talk about soft diplomacy, I mean, these people really understand the value of a, of a Fulbright. English teaching assistant or of a Peace Corps volunteer or of an English language fellow, you know, and it's really something to, um, to know and understand and see that you do have support from some of these, you know, higher entities, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really great because I think, I really think if we want to make a big impact around the world, I don't think it's done. I mean, yes, obviously you can fight a war, but I don't think that actually is going to accomplish what, you know, is, yeah. is really going to be good for anybody. I think in war, almost everybody is the loser, even the winners, you know, the, the sure. amount of stuff yeah, you can yeah, lose. Yeah. And so soft diplomacy, I think, is really important to bridge gaps between cultures, understand, you know, if I have a better understanding of another culture and they understand my culture better, we should be able to, in theory, this is all in mm-hmm. theory, we should be able to um, communicate and get along with one another better. Yeah, it's slow though. It's not as fast right. as just bombing someone. Right. That gets the message across a lot faster than slow, soft diplomacy. Right. Chat. True. <laughs> uh, but maybe not the message that uh, you, you, we would want to be shared. I find right. it interesting that now you took you've taken classes aimed at at language teaching specifically, right? Uh, I find yeah, it interesting course. that the topic of soft diplomacy wouldn't come up in those classes or the uh, the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Well, some of that could have just been my, uh, as the Germans say, Bildungslücke, my little education gap or mm. information gap, where it could have just been something, you know, I was so focused on learning about, you know, research in second language acquisition in right. German studies. You know, um, I think if I would have studied international relations or something like that, then I would have been exposed to this idea of soft diplomacy much sooner. Sure, um, sure. I think I always kind of had an inkling of what it was before I knew what the term was sure, called. Sure, sure. Yeah, like you had mm-hmm. an idea. Even since high school. Like, and even, even before you went to your, um, I imagine, I'm guessing, even before you went to your uh, orientation in Czech Republic, I'm sure you had an idea of this sort of representation, representation of America, you know? Even though you weren't, you know, it's not like, oh, this is my soft, my soft diplomatic duty. <laughs> right. That, that wasn't how I viewed it. I viewed it more as a, this is an opportunity for other people to get an understanding of American culture through the mm-hmm. lens of an authentic American. Uh, I, you know. I enjoy, I enjoy, I'll say enjoy. I'm not going to say enjoy it. It's not past tense. It's just mm-hmm. on pause your soft diplomatic work. Um, I, um, oh shit, now I forgot what I was going to say. It's actually not on pause. I guess so. You're always kind of doing something. Yeah, it's it's not it's not gonna pause because I'm still I'll be teaching uh, at my old university in China, right? Um, so That's and that true. is a soft diplomatic mission. That's and I true. think right now it's really important, uh, as we've mentioned, the the whole relations between uh china and the united states deteriorating Mm -hmm. um i I mean that's why soft diplomacy is so important i think it it uh, allows us to try to keep the peace as long as we can yeah because i remember what i was gonna say i Mm. enjoyed the questions that you would get from students Mm. a lot and uh and i and i that was that was a fun part of this And, and it was that you you were like that that was their outlet to american culture or whatever a lot of them were kind of these culture based questions or whatever right. and it's like that was it it's like all right now that's what they think is the answer <laughs> right and it's like you're just you're now answering for them well a lot of times too with anything culturally related we really can only scratch the surface mm-hmm. right even in your classes in college unless you 
are going to become a, a, an anthropologist or sociologist or really research something in depth, uh, culture is such a complex thing. You know, culture sure. is one of those weird things that you, you know what it is, but you can't touch it. You know, I mean, in, in some ways you can, right? Like you can, you can touch food from a culture that they make, but you know, culture is this abstract kind of thing. But that's the great thing about soft diplomacy is, is you get to learn about all these different values and how other places work. And I think that really helps with figuring out how we can work together instead of thinking about what can I get from you, but what can we work towards together? Sure. Yeah. Learning from one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny too, because especially here, like I'm in the corporate world and there's, and there's all this sort of, you know, teamwork talk in any sort of company. It's all this team teamwork stuff, these aspects to what makes a great team. Um, but, but that's not really like the, that's not really how we think. I, I feel like in a global scale, at least a lot of, uh, like, right. that's, let me put it this way. That's not a big part of our American culture. Definitely not. Say, well, is that sort of mm-hmm. team. Like the team is this us, not any, not with anyone outside of us. I think a lot of people also look at globalism as kind of a dirty word. Some yeah. people, you know, and I, and really, if you think about what it, is globalism, I because mean, I hear about mm-hmm. it on Twitter, like, but when I hear about it on Twitter, the people are like calling Bill Gates a globalist or something like that. Is that is would that make any? I'm sense? not really. Yeah, I'm not really sure what that okay. means. Um, to me, <laughs> globe, not him. right? To me, globalism is just um, the the entire world. You know, we we get different things and from different places, right? So so oh, even it's just if, like the entire world coexisting and yeah like, working together. I got yeah, you, I got you know, you. having different you know trade agreements, mm. different you know working together. Um, Exactly. Yeah, building things. Um, How do you feel about the idea of globalism? Is that the point of soft soft diplomacy? Is globalism? I, th- I think so. Yeah, I think mm. I think at the end of the day, and so and the the problem is, is I think a lot of people view globalism and soft diplomacy as a way to um, get rid of culture, but I think it's really not getting rid of culture, but it's just sharing culture. Sure. Yeah. No. I'm of course, of course, but I I feel like people. Yeah, it's just it kind of bums me out because I feel like there's uh, there's such a large swath of the United States that find I feel like finds the idea of that to be kind of like laughable. Right. Well, I think some of it too is there are a lot of Americans who will probably never leave America. Yeah. Or like the you take know. your jobs kind of thing. Right. I feel like there's probably some of that too. Yeah. I I, I don't know if the numbers back up those types okay. of sentiments. Maybe not. You know. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But I I think the I think the whole um. The, the whole point of soft diplomacy is to build a good relationship, build a good mutual relationship with other countries and people. Um, because, you know, I've learned a lot from the Chinese colleagues I met and the Czech colleagues I met um, that, that I can bring back here. And ideally, you know, when I'm teaching or working with students in the U.S., I can do a better job because of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you so. think twice about uh, criticizing the U.S.? No. No. I, I think I think that's one of the most American things to do is to oh, criticize not, the U.S. Oh, okay. At least it, yeah, <laughs> we should we should be not. critical of our of our own country. Sure, of course, uh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are many great things about the United States. But like, but, yeah. yeah. But like, in, for example, when you, you I remember you and uh, Zach talking about like in China, if you're criticizing, it's not uncommon to be like then leave. You know. Yep. So maybe if yep. maybe if they mm-hmm. hear you criticizing the U.S. 
um, I don't know. They'd be like, what, what, what will they tell me? Go back no, to no, your I'm country? Not, I'm not, I'm not going to say they're going to tell you to leave. <laughs> you but maybe they're going to be like, I mean, well, why would we respect a country like that kind of thing? Right. You know? Well, I think a lot of it is boils down to different political ideologies and, and ideologies of what is a, a good life, a, a you know, proper you know, mm-hmm. um, way to live, you know, uh, depending on what country you're from, you know, it might be seen as you should be living with your parents and, and helping them out into their old age, right? I know a lot of Americans who don't do that because they feel that uh, their parents or family members can be provided better care at like a nursing facility, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't really a matter of what's right and what's wrong. It's just a matter of what's different, right? That's true. Um, and That's I think true. soft diplomacy on a very f- deep philosophical level, so, um, you know, one of the points is to try to bridge this gap. And try to build some type of mutual understanding because at the end of the day, we might have cultural differences, but we're still people. Mm-hmm. We still we still love our families. We still, you know, have to eat. We still have to put clothes on our back, a roof over our head. You know, I know this is sounding very hippy dippy right now, but it's true. <laughs> you know, it's my own experience so. abroad. That's, That's really yeah. what I've seen and experienced. Yeah, at the end of the day, like the 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 shared experience of everyone trying to survive is not you can't really change that. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, and yeah, that's fair. And and ideally build a better life. Yeah. You know, I think I think that resonates with anyone from anywhere. I don't care what country, what city you're from, rich or poor, I think everyone wants a better life for themselves and their countrymen, mm-hmm. their countrywomen, everybody, you yeah. know. Um, but I think yeah. I think there there's also a lot of personalities that that believe only a certain amount of people can get that like it's all not attainable for everyone well it depends on what your view of happiness is Mm. if your view of happiness is becoming a millionaire then then sure not everyone can be a millionaire but but you know if (laughs) honestly man like like would i mind being a millionaire of course not i would love to be a millionaire (laughs) at the same time the way we talk when off mic it sounds like you have goals to make money i do I, i definitely do have goals to make money um, but I'm not also dead set. The, the goals to make money are to hopefully provide for a better future. Um, the goal isn't just to make money. You know, I think money is just a way to meet some of those goals. Anyways, right. my, my whole point was I, I know plenty of people uh, that I met in Asia that, um, you know, grew up not having very much. And I can tell you, they seem a hell of a lot happier than a lot of Americans I know that have a giant ass house two really nice cars mm-hmm. making a six-figure salary and they're miserable mm-hmm. they're fat they're lazy well they're not lazy i guess they they put all their energy and effort into their work life and they have no other life outside of that it's starting to feel a little personal but yeah yeah okay, well sure. you're not fat you're not lazy <laughs> um i th- you know i try to get you to come here to do the I'm, podcast I, so you're not always working 24 7 chunky, so chunky lazy <laughs> <laughs> Kind of like that bear I sent you a picture of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that really is how I look at sitting at my desk right. all day. Um, do So when you heard that term in uh, in your orientation, in Czech soft, Republic, yeah. Yeah, soft mm-hmm. diplomacy, did you ever think to start using it in, 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 in interviews? Have you brought it up in interviews? How, I haven't. Like, but in some I of think... These, in some of these jobs, not only am I interested in, um, you know, obviously teaching, teaching and learning, but but I'm also yeah. interested in uh, using some of my soft diplomacy skills to. Ooh, I uh, like that. I need to start using that to better uh, serve to whatever, better like help yeah. uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, the, the the community the educate the cultural aspect right. of, of right. Uh, I, I, sh- I should start uh, using that. I guess I never it. have, but hmm. but I, I soft I diplomacy guess I use, so- sounds like a good academic term. It does. I use other terms: mm. intercultural competence, intercultural communication. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that but honestly soft diplomacy it's mm. but but i also wonder if if everyone is on the same page when you say that 
Mm. You know, when I say intercultural communication or intercultural competence, right. most people in the fields where I work know exactly what that means. Yeah. You know, or at least there's two or three definitions. So it's like you don't use the term soft diplomacy, but you use all the terms that kind of explain what soft diplomacy right. is. Right. Because that's what I think soft diplomacy uh, tries, you know, that's one of the goals is mm-hmm. to, to build some intercultural competence. So, you you know, you go to another country and you're not offending everybody because you're handing them everything with your left hand or you... <laughs> Or you go somewhere and you walk around with your dirty shoes inside someone's house and then they never invite you over ever again because in that culture you take off your shoes before you go inside. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's little things like this that are very small and very subtle but make a very big difference, I think. Have you thought about ways to get into... Uh, like, like has has the idea of being a, like a diplomatic not a diplomat per se like a foreign service but officer but have you thought about have you thought of considered ways of going less towards teacher and more towards just the diplomatic part of for, yeah. of foreign service soft diplomat. yeah that's what it's called what does foreign service people do I, f- I feel like a real idiot Pe- this people, episode <laughs> <laughs> foreign service officers are people who work at embassies and consulates okay so the, yeah. so the ambassador is like the head person or something yep. like that yep okay mm-hmm. and then you have your attache and you have right, all sorts of different all sorts of different i mean if you just google foreign service but it's not easy to become right, a foreign t- service officer we talked about this haven't we because there's like yeah. a long test yeah it's a test and the test is just all sorts of random stuff from the last like 30 40 50 years oh the history it's history from it's around the world stuff. yeah it's it's they'll ask you like why did the blah 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 do the blah blah it's like blah a jeopardy game or something basically yeah <laughs> it's really it's really wild but anyways and most people don't pass the first time usually it takes sure. two or three times to sure. and it's and it's a test and an interview anyways i have thought about it but it's good living i've heard i've heard you well get- it is and it isn't the first couple of years of your of your foreign service uh, work you are probably in a very uh, difficult country to work in mm. uh, usually usually they do that to kind of test and see how rugged ah, you are okay so they'll send you somewhere where you're in kind of a developing country where you know you Some might low levels of danger to medium right. levels of right. danger exactly yeah. and and you might have running water and stuff at your at your house but it's not commonplace everywhere mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and you might have power outages you know you might have terrible internet there's a lot of you yeah, know yeah, things yeah. you got to deal with um, so I've thought about it but right now i just enjoy teaching so much that mm-hmm. i can't imagine um doing that who knows though dude ask me when i'm in my 40s and maybe i'll have a different <laughs> do different people start that late you. oh yeah a lot of people uh, do. okay they you can start you can start anytime so you can all you have to do is take the test oh but then you still have to get an interview okay okay it's not like you take the test and you're most you take likely the test, to get a you, job yeah you take the test you do the interview and then i think they they i don't know if they give you one option i don't really know mm. how the how the actual process works but i had friends in grad school that actually three friends in grad school that applied uh and failed the test and and since they've just been doing other other work i like the the, i i like that that the that that job the idea that job Mm -hmm. but i guess i don't know what a foreign service person does right but i like the idea of of building bonds in different countries you know right well like for example i can tell you what some of them do in china okay because i have more experience with that than the czech republic but uh, in China, actually, in a lot of these countries, especially with fellowships and things like this, um, the access program is a big one. So the access program is basically mm. schools that are underprivileged that need help. They need uh, teacher training. They need uh, a better understanding of different resources, proper practices and teaching and different approaches and blah, blah, blah. Right. So that's one big one is to uh, do that. Another really big one um, is uh, usually some type of um, like you see events and fundraisers for different things, um, donating to different, you know, building projects or stuff like this. Um, and those can also be really good ways to 
connect people together. Um, and to me, it doesn't seem very like invasive. It doesn't seem yeah. very forced. It seems mm-hmm. more natural. Yeah. Yeah. Is there also like a, like, um, hmm. I guess I've done some, is like a nonprofit stuff, is that soft diplomacy too? Yeah. I would say so. I mean, when I think of soft, when I think of diplomacy, I assume it would have to be between different countries, but maybe not. Like on a government level? Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. But, but maybe not, you know, maybe, maybe we need to expand our minds on what diplomacy should be or what diplomacy means. But the idea of you know? soft diplomacy in your head is a specific job that's that's part of the focus is building right. some sort of relationship with Between another. different countries. Right, okay, okay. Or could okay. could even be, I guess, different states. I don't know. I mean, Michigan and Ohio don't particularly get, <laughs> get along very well. Maybe we need some soft diplomacy. Do we diplomacy. need that? I wonder. Probably not. I, I, I wonder know. if we could do... Uh, there, but there is probably like a north-south or like north-south. Like, you know, like the Midwest. Oh, for sure. Like a, there could probably be some d- diplomacy done there. Oh, yeah. Like the, especially like, I don't know, like the northeast versus like the south or something. Right. Or like yeah. the west coast versus the south. East, or, west, or the east, east and west. west. Coast. Yeah. yeah. They had the rap battles in the <laughs> yeah. 90s, right? Yeah. I don't think, I don't think that's still been settled. I think, right. Um, we All still the need beefs. to figure that, figure this out. Talk this out. Right. Oh, God. I ran out of battery. Uh-oh. That's okay. Anyway, let's keep going. All right. So, yeah. Soft diplomacy. Uh, yeah. I think it's. But I honestly, I think the U.S. Um, I I wish the U.S. put more money into soft diplomacy, uh, because I think it would serve the country a lot better in the long run. It may not have the same. I don't want to use the term returns because that's not the right word. But it just doesn't have the same impact or influence as you know other methods that the U.S. meddles while they're abroad. Um, what sort of forms of, of uh, what sort of soft diplomatic forms do you think would be good to invest in? Um, I mean, teaching is teaching abroad one of them. Teaching uh, medical stuff. Uh, obviously, right now it's a little difficult with the current situation. You know, just traveling in general. But I think providing medical aid to different countries is another really good one. Um, also, uh, help with research, science, infrastructure is very important as well. Uh, like I know there were some Fulbright. Uh, scholars in the Czech Republic while I was there that were doing some research actually on some invasive uh, insects in the Czech Republic that were damaging the hmm. uh, some of the forests and the trees and the wildlife. So so stuff like this. So basically ways to, you know, if one country, if country A has certain number of resources or maybe they have really intelligent uh, scientists or doctors or whatever, right? Sure. They send a few of those every year to go train and teach and help and work with people from a country that doesn't have those resources. Then they learn how to do it. Hopefully over time they can become more sustainable on their own and then that need goes away. So that's why the Peace Corps is not in every country in the world Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of countries where that need just simply isn't there. And then you can reach diplomacy by doing other things like like having a sister city. I don't, to be honest, I don't even really know what that means, Jared, to have a brother or sister (laughs) city. But from my understanding, a sister city... They do some type of exchange, which once again, an exchange would be a type of soft diplomacy. Is is the UN like a form of like a soft diplomacy agency? They do some hard diplomacy too, don't they? Probably. But are I'd they? Say uh, I bet you their fingers and toes are in both. <laughs> I bet you. I'd be willing to bet. I mean, I've seen movies. I've definitely seen movies where, like Hotel Rwanda, I believe, mm-hmm. where UN soldiers. There are UN soldiers like that. Right. I think that's a thing. But is what is the UN like a soft diplomacy agency, or is that part of what they do? Is like I think so. Yeah, I think like it's deploying to be different. Um, yeah. 
Do they do they help with like health and stuff like that too? Around I think the world? so. I feel like so they I do. would say so. Then I would say so. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like they just go to like nations that are in need of some sort of uh, immediate, dis- you know, uh, efforts and and help sa- help and safety in in times of distress. Right. Yeah, I would I would agree. So okay. so in that regard, I would say yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, Chad, definitely. I learned a lot this episode. Well, good. I'm I'm glad, Jared. I'm really glad. And I think soft diplomacy is a really great thing. I think I think it needs to be brought to the attention of way more people. Oh, do you have any more ideas of, of where we could... Uh... Yes, thank you. Yeah. So in the future, I hope there will be more government help and funding for programs like Fulbright, English Language Fellowships. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I believe Doctors Without Borders would be another one that I would probably consider what about diplomacy. What about more... Now, I don't know if there's already a lot of this, but ways to get like um, people to go to college in the U.S. or something. Well, I, um, I think they're, that's a good idea. Well, once again, Fulbright does that. But but I'm even even like brings this students way? here. Okay, yeah, okay. that's what usually Fulbright brings students. Actually, no, it works both ways. Now that okay. I think about it, yeah, it works both ways because you could apply for a research grant and go research in Germany or something. Mm-hmm. Um, same, they could come here. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so so yeah, but I think I think there should be some other more common ones too because look, not not everyone will be able to get a Fulbright or a fellowship or mm-hmm. Doctors Without Borders. Even even someone who goes to medical school and does all the right things. You know, sometimes just the cards aren't, you know, you don't have the right cards in your deck, I guess. But there's a whole bunch of different ones. Like that's right. But but I think the problem is is a lot of people are unaware of these. Like I'm unaware of them too. Right. I just know that there are right. a bunch of them. I, I'm also <laughs> unaware of a lot of them. Outside of academia, I couldn't really tell you very much about yeah. them. But mm-hmm. I think that's the problem. I think it shouldn't you know, people should have more awareness of some of these opportunities because I just look at where my life is at right now. And uh, I am so thankful and so grateful for all these great opportunities I've had abroad and how I've been able to learn about soft diplomacy, kind of see how it works. Because I think uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, we we all tend to want, like I've said, kind of the same stuff. And so soft diplomacy is a great way to just bring people together. Um, and, you know, I've been so lucky, you know, got to go to Mongolia and, and you know, had people mm-hmm. show me around and teach me about Mongolian culture a little bit. And, and it was really amazing. You Especially know? since, uh, at least from what you, the way you put it, it seems like people are very excited to show you this stuff. Right. You know what picture we should put for the soft diplomacy one? What's that? I sent you a long time ago when I was in Mongolia, that picture of me giving a, a short little speech at the reception. Short little spe- I'll, yeah, I'll find it, it and me send again. it to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but but you know that was the and actually the the we met the ambassador briefly of Mongolia. He was a super oh, cool, cool guy. Uh, the ambassador of Mongolia. So he was the American. He was American guy that that is the ambassador for America in Mongolia. Yeah, correct. Okay. And uh, and you know he thanked us too, and he said you know we really. And How I know, old was he? Do you, uh, do you think probably in his late fifties, early sixties? Okay, would be my guess. Um, really nice guy. Uh, and it was funny. All the other guys, it was weird. All the other guys were wearing a tie. I wasn't wearing a tie, and he wasn't wearing a tie. Mm, so kind of gave him a little <laughs> sup, you know, something. But anyways, you don't scare su- me. Su- super nice guy. But he he even understood, you know, the value of it. And he said, you know, we really thank you because you know uh, there were I think fifteen China fellows that came to Mongolia and did workshops and it's did a weird all this way stuff. To put it, but I um, I hear what you're saying. Right, right. China what? fellows sounds weird to me. Uh. uh Oh, okay. American fellows that were stationed in oh, China. Fellow, you mean that's English like a fellowship. fellows. Yeah. Fellows. I thought you mean like a person. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, that's a weird English way to teachers. Put it. Let me put it that uh, okay. way, Jared. Yeah, English teachers that <laughs> were fellowship, fellowship in China. Are there you Correct. called the people in the fellowship fellows? A fellow. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So so yeah, and I just have seen firsthand, you know, just just the value that teachers can get, the value that, that I, I learned a lot from a lot of these Mongolian teachers. It's really interesting to see how 
um, teachers are able to be so resourceful with what they have and what they don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really great to talk to these teachers and, and, you know, get their feedback. And what countries do you think could use some, some English teaching soft diplomacy? What countries do you think are in need of, of a man like you to come in and save them? <laughs> I, I don't, I, I wouldn't, I don't like that. A man like me coming in to save them. Uh, that sounds terrible. Um, no, the, it does. I, I would say, I would say the countries that we should focus more soft diplomacy on, I'll put it that way, Jared, mm-hmm. the countries and we should focus teaching wise. Right. Or, or no, I just think oh, in okay, general, okay, okay. um, I think a lot of Eastern European countries could use it. Mm. Um, I think there's a, there's definitely a bad, uh, like a, like a very misguided and bad uh negative image of sort of eastern european yep. countries especially and, all the post-soviet countries yeah they all yeah. they all have this sort of yeah not not a yep. great reputation here in the yeah, u.s yeah they definitely don't um which which i which i don't understand um uh, but you know i haven't been there and that's that's kind of the way i view a lot of things jared is it's it's hard for me to make such a judgment call on a place if i've never been there myself and it also takes so long to to change culture too, mm-hmm. so like like the, these these uh, like these differences that we have with certain countries do go back a certain ways. So like it mm-hmm. it kind of in my mind it shouldn't be expected that just like I don't know forty years after the Cold War we should all like we'd all of a sudden just be cool right. or singing whatever. Kumbaya at the right. campfire right <laughs> right right that's not but realistic. we also kind of are with Germany in a weird way right well well I think those relations have gotten yeah, worse I mean, too yeah. well um, right now most out most the of our yeah. <laughs> but but once again that shows the need for soft diplomacy Jared um, depending on what happens with this next election um, I mean the president is the ultimate soft diplomat. Yeah, ours. Well, ours is soft, isn't he's a little pudgy, but other <laughs> yeah, than that, he's a very yeah. soft diplomat. Right, right. But yeah. Um, anyways, I think a lot of Eastern European countries. I think a lot of countries in Asia can benefit from uh, at least from teachers. I know that. Not that I'm saying that teachers there aren't good. I think like, they're like great. Which countries? What area? What are we talking? I think about? a lot of East Asian, Pacific, Southern Asia. I think they have amazing teachers. They're very passionate. They're very. Uh, they they love what they do, but. I don't know if they've been given the necessary tools when they were becoming teachers to teach effectively, efficiently, mm. and so on. Um, but it's also very easy for me to step on the outside and point fingers as well. Yeah, you know, as it, I hear really you say is. that, I do kind of feel that it's like it's it's kind of odd to hear you say right. that in a weird right. way. Right, right, it is. But but at the same time, you know, when you're when you're still doing old grammar translations or you're reading. You're reading books in your classes that that nobody else reads anymore because they're outdated and, mm-hmm. and it's not useful English. It's ironic, we kind of do that here with history right. books and we, stuff. But right, that's very true. <laughs> well, you know, we have a lot in education we need to fix here in that's the states true. too. That's true. Um, you know, and hey, maybe we can get some soft diplomacy from like Sweden or Finland. You know, some of these mm. countries that have great resources and great. Yeah. You know, that, but see, that's what I mean. Is the whole point of soft diplomacy, uh, and once again, this sounds very hippy dippy, but to make the whole world a better place. Could it be you on know? like a local level? Could like a could a like a a public high school? Mm-hmm. I guess that does happen. Why couldn't they? Yeah, that happens of all the time. There's yeah. uh, foreign exchange programs and stuff like that. Right. But I was gonna say yeah. like a public high school team up with a different public. High- yeah, but that's just foreign exchange. Yeah, they program. do that. Which once again, that's soft diplomacy. Yeah, I guess so. And that's that a government thing, techni- te- yeah. technically, because well, public- it's either a government or an organization. But well, still. but like if it's at a public school, technically that's a government organization. Isn't Usually, it? it's it's through a group like Youth for Understanding or something like this. With, oh, which that like is teams up with a. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But it's not it's not organized by the school. Right. Right. Gotcha. Right. I'm sure 
there are probably some countries that do that. Another really great soft diplomacy program. I forget the official title, but there. And and I thought about applying for this um, when I was actually going to graduate from Albion uh, with my undergrad in in music. Mm-hmm. Was um, there's I forget the name of the program now, but there is a program where you can go and tour in other countries and play American music. So I could have gone and played jazz <laughs> and blues in like Kyrgyzstan. That sounds like a dream or, gig for you. Yeah. And it's only for a few months, uh, and I don't think the pay is very much. Probably not. But, but you it, don't do it for the pay. I mean, that's I didn't an experience. Do, I didn't do the Fulbright for the pay. You know, I mean, right. you d- you're not going to get even the fellowship. You're not going to get rich. You know, I've put myself in a better financial position, but I'm by no means rich. Right. You know, and I try to live as frugally as I can for the most part too right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but yeah, I think soft diplomacy is a way we can really push a lot of things forward. Um, not only for mm. ourselves, but for other people. Um, yeah, I'm so with that's you. why I think it's really great. Uh, and speaking of people working together, Jared, um, let's talk about the song of the pod today, which is called Mama Africa, um, which is Peter Tosh. Um, and this is on YouTube uh, through you a channel called Playing for Change. We've, we've actually featured at least one of their songs, maybe even two on our Song of the Pod playlist before. We've been doing this for a while, so I'm not... Playing for Change. Oh, that was like the collective kind of and thing. And this is the same, Jared. So I'm going to play this, and we're going to talk through it real quick. I'm going to play this, and uh, we're going to watch the video so Jared can see just all the different countries these musicians are coming from, because it's really cool. And this, in a way, is also soft diplomacy. So not to get too meta on today's mm-hmm. episode, but... Please, get meta. So here we go. I'm hoping this will come out of here and not. There we go. Good. Good. So we got our first guy here uh, from Jamaica. I I missed his name here. All right. Then we got Donald Kinsey from Gary, Indiana, playing guitar. Not going to name everybody on here, but there's a bunch of. Are they all in the same location right now? No. No, so they film it in different places. Oh, so he's listening a lot. He's in Mali. Exactly. I see his headphones on now. Isn't it crazy how loud YouTube gets though through this oh, uh, yeah. audio interface? It's, it's pretty low still. I love the um I love the I love the idea of them all filming she's from Mali, I missed mm-hmm. her name. I love the idea of them all filming these from their location. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, you got and, a guy in Gary, Indiana, then Jamaica, yeah. then Mali, Jamaica, Andrew Tosh, which is uh, I believe the son of Peter Tosh. Where where was this guy at? Jamaica. Okay. Uh-huh. South Africa. It's a cool guitar. That's actually a Swiss company that makes those, in case mm. you're curious, Jared. But yeah, this is an awesome video. It's called Mama Africa, where they have m- musicians from all over the place um, singing together, playing together. And it's great to see how they layer it. It really sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing brings people uh, brings people better together better than music, right. for sure. And that's why I used music for a lot of my presentations, you know, when right. I was in Mongolia mm-hmm. or China, because, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is... Oh, and he's been in quite a few videos because this guy's voice is Mer- really... Merman's Mosengo from Congo. He's from Congo, yeah. He has a very distinctive voice. Yeah, he does. Very powerful voice, right. too. But yeah, I mean, it's your I mean, it's your typical reggae song, but with all these different collaborations, it's super cool, and you see some traditional instruments from different countries. Yeah, I like it. Well. I like it. And yeah. I, I kind of like the juxtaposition, juxtaposition of these, what look, seem to be sort of traditional instruments, right. and then and then they have like these super high quality headphones on, because they're right. obviously listening like to recording while they do it. That guy's guitar is easily over $1,000, and then you have someone with a handmade <laughs> you know, washboard they're playing right. in some videos. Yeah, it's really something. Um, yeah, Trenchtown, that's where I believe Peter Tosh and Bob Marley also, I don't know if they grew up in Trenchtown, but they Mm. Definitely had a lot to do there. Then you see some of the traditional um, garb in in uh, Mali. 
All right, I think we yeah. get the it's idea. A, it's a cool, cool song. Has yeah. some good reggae vibes. And this to is it. a great song for soft diplomacy too. Good idea, oh, without Chad. a doubt. Without a doubt. So check that out on our song of the pod playlist, "Mama Africa," yeah. written by Peter Tosh uh, and featuring tons of awesome musicians from all over the globe. Check that out, especially if you want some good reggae in your day. Uh, reggae in your day. That's right. Um, at Untranslatable Podcast um, on YouTube. So check that out. Anyways, to recap on soft diplomacy. Now, I'm not going to toot my own horn here, but I do think you did learn a lot today, Jared. Um, <laughs> I did, actually. I do think you did learn a lot today. Uh, I don't think I taught you. I think it was just through us having a good conversation. It's uh, just, I, I think a lot, lot of it, a lot of it was just stuff that I never really thought about before. Right. Well, and that's the thing. It's so easy, you know, things that are right in front of your eyes sometimes mm-hmm. that you never really think about. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even when we were in Vienna, you know, if we did anything um, with others to volunteer right? Especially if it's like American culture related, I would say that's like a very soft diplomatic thing to do. Yeah. You know, and it, it can be fun. You know, I did, Ooh, I wonder. So speaking of the, the exchange, right? Soft diplomacy, as I've talked about, goes back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. So I used to also do, um, presentations here in the U S with kids about German culture. So I wonder if that's also another type are you, of. Are you allowed to soft be a soft diplomat? Right, that's what I'm wondering. Culture? That that's seems what I'm very wondering. Problematic. It does. <laughs> it does. But at the same time, I I speak the language that's fluently. True. That's you know what true. I mean? It's not like I don't completely know what I'm that's doing. That's true. You, you know? have been exposed to it. You've, you've right. been there a bunch of times and stuff right. like that. Um, I it's, I could see how it would be problematic. I, but I, I feel think, like it wouldn't hurt. But I, I, it's not really. It's not. It's it, it's it's kind of like you know when you were in China. Or in Czech Republic, we've talked with David about how you're kind of a celebrity, and it's not because, right. and it's because you're the American with the, and you're the only one with the American perspective. I don't know if it really works as well. Like the idea of it kind of starts to fall apart mm. if it's just. Um, and I'm not saying you can't teach aspects of a German culture, but I feel like the idea of soft diplomacy falls apart if a foreign person is teaching you about someone else's culture. I, okay, I would disagree with you just because mm. I think the whole point of soft diplomacy is if you know if I go to China or Mongolia or Czech Republic, and I come back and you've never been there, I sure. can tell you what it's like, and then maybe that gets you interested mm. and you go, hmm, oh wow, Prague sounds amazing. They have some amazing art museums and uh, great food, Svichkova so. beer. You don't you have know. to belong to the place to uh, not necessarily be right a soft diplomat. That's I don't fair. think so. You That's know, fair. What, what about an expat? You know, what about if you live in a country for 20 years and then you move back to the States? Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, you know, if you lived in France for 20 years, and you were telling me about France. I wouldn't look at you and be like, you're not French. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, um, 20 years is a long time. Right. Even, even one or two years, I think, is enough to gather a little bit of soft I diplomatic so. sure. knowledge. Sure. I mean, I'm not. You know? so, I, of course. Uh, yeah. Try to strip my credibility. No, I, mean, Jay. I agree with you. I've <laughs> lived. I lived. I lived abroad for four years. So I do understand. Right. I do understand, like, getting to the point where you feel like you understand the culture well enough where you're, you're not speaking for them but you kind of understand where they're coming from i definitely right. understand that mm-hmm. and uh and, and i'm not saying that that doesn't exist but uh but it is different you're yeah. right it is different than me as a, i feel like i have a lot more freedom can to say be, what i want can, as an american would you have that same mm-hmm. sort of celebrity status coming in as someone teaching german you know like as an american Are, teaching am german? i wearing my lederhosen or am i not wearing my lederhosen <laughs> fair enough fair if enough. i got my lederhosen on i get all the credibility <laughs> in the world if I got no hosen, then, then yeah, yeah well, I can't no just good. get these off of Amazon. Right, exactly. You probably exactly. can, but you can, but they look terrible. <laughs> You've seen them, the cheap they're ones like that people wear for Halloween, they're yeah. like khaki material. Yeah, they're terrible, <laughs> terrible. But yeah, but I do feel a lot more free to say whatever when people ask me about the U.S. Right, mm. but when I have Americans ask me about Germany, 
or Austria or, or Czech, Czech Republic, Republic or China, mm-hmm. I I do stop and think a little bit more. In the U.S., I tend to just... I mean, I, I definitely hurl questions about Czech Republic and China at you all the time. Right. Like, like, you are my I love soft, it, soft I love diplomat it. for those countries. That's right. I don't like how that sounds. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> right maybe what i'm your sd is that better <laughs> that's, yeah that maybe sounds not. much better chad not. all right Any, anyways let us know what you think about soft diplomacy and how you think the u.s and other countries could uh do a better job with soft diplomacy at untranslatable podcast at gmail.com check us out on twitter untranslatable one the number one for lots of great uh tweets episode info and uh jared's cunning charm and wit so check that out uh, also check us out on instagram untranslatable podcast for uh, pics and clips and other great stuff and lastly please five star reviews on itunes and stitcher and let us know how we can make this podcast better for you so as we say here at the untranslatable podcast muchas gracias shisha and dos vidanya all right yeah we need to think of a better term than soft diplomat <laughs> just Chad, yes, yeah. Chad's my soft diplomat. <laughs> Ooh, that just yeah, sounds a little weird. Hmm. What could you say? Yeah, yeah, your. Hmm. I like attaché. Honestly, I, I really like that it too. Rolls off attaché. I thought that was like a bag, like a like a Probably. travel bag. Well, Isn't that attaché like a travel Here, bag? Let's, let's see what let's like see a, what like a says. Gucci attaché. Well, I think they call him the cultural attaché. I do like it though. I mean, it sounds very classy. I would love to be at an event. So what do you do? I'm an attaché. Oh, shit. Attaché. An attaché is a person who is assigned to the diplomatic or administrative staff of a higher placed person or another service. So, yeah. So this is usually like the staff of the uh, diplomat. Mm. Yeah. The attaché. So it's not even like an ambassador. They're diplomats. uh, But but it's not even even really like a great position. Uh, I think they make pretty good money. I think they make at least eight grand. Uh, but you're not like the top dog or anything. No, no, or no, close no, to the no, top no, dog. No, no, not one bit. Not one bit.